Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bike Walk Wichita Monthly Podcast. I'm Kim Newfeld, Executive Director, and I'm at headquarters recording with Amy. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and joining us as we talk all things Bike Walk. The heat is on. Uh, it was nice having that brief cool down and rain last month, but we are definitely in the midst of a Kansas summer. Right. And please continue to stay on top of your hydration. That's going to, you know, find some shade. That's yeah. going to be kind of your best effort. Absolutely. In this month's episode, Alan, our advocacy chair, interviews Troy Houtman, who is the director of Parks and Rec for the city of Wichita. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to hearing that interview. Yeah, I can't wait for everyone to hear it. I think it's going to be really good. We also have a fun list of August events that you'll want to get on your calendar. And Amy shares a mental health moment. So let's roll. So as Kim said, our August calendar is filling up. I love the variety of walks and rides that we've had. It's been a blast to be on the North End bike ride, and we still have a few of those left. Yes, yes, we did have a good time kicking that off. In July, we actually went to the North End, and we taught an adult learn-to-ride clinic. About five adults learned to uh, ride again, and we're super excited. And so Denise has scheduled these uh, North End rides now on Sunday morning. So we have a full calendar. If you're looking for a walk on Saturday morning, there's an 8 a.m. walk at Fairmount Park every Saturday. Every Wednesday, there's an 8 a.m. walk on the Northeast Redbud, kind of near 13th Street, leaving from Woodridge Christian Church. So those are uh, some good walks to get in early if you're looking for those early morning. Right. And August 5th and August 21st, we have the continuation of our Nomar bike rides for the North End. That is at 10 a.m., meeting at Nomar Plaza on August 5th and August 21st. And there are bike share bikes available now there, so we are excited to see that new location pop up. On August 9th, we will be at Northeast uh, Recycle Bike Repair at 6 p.m. at Lynette Woodard Rec Center. So if you have any minor repairs that you know, you're needing done, you can bring your bikes there. And also, of course, August 14th is our second Sunday slow roll and stroll. So at 7 p.m. we will meet at Park Villa in Riverside. Yes, and August 20th, this is not necessarily an organized ride, but we will be um, hosting Bike Valet for the Ironhead Chili Fest at Johnson's Garden Center. Yay! So parking is kind of a nightmare there, so feel free to bike from your location to the Chili Fest, and we will be there uh, to watch your bike and park it and go enjoy the festival. We always have a good time It's at a great that time at the Chili Chili, yeah, the Chili Fest. I'm so. looking forward to this year. Okay, and then August 27th, our friends at Heart Springs will be hosting their annual Care Fest Ride and Walk again. So I know quite a few people love to go out and support that uh, charity walk and ride. Mm-hmm. So those are a few of the bigger events we have going on in August, but there are other events on our calendar. So make sure you check that out or check out our Facebook page for those details. And make sure to invite your friends. So our August mental health moment, I really just kind of want to check in with how you're doing on your routines. I know that schedules are changing soon. School is starting. You know, this time of year is really kind of a reset for different things. Are you giving yourself 
and or your family kind of a respite during these uh, routines and change-ups and all of that stuff. The city of Wichita has a really great park system, and I really encourage you to check one out that's near your home, near your office, near the school. It can be a really nice mental break from your day to just kind of get away from the hubbub of your routine or these changes that are kind of going on. And, and if your kids are going back to school, it kind of gives them an outlet, mm -hmm. a special thing to look forward to during these changes. I agree. I mean, I take a walk break every single day to definitely help manage my stress and just to refocus, kind of reset midway through the day. So mm -hmm. definitely check out. We have wonderful parks uh, all throughout the city. So there's always one uh, nearby. Hello, today we're talking with Troy Houtman, the Parks and Recreation Director for the City of Wichita. We're recording this in mid-July 2022. Welcome to Bike Walk Wichita, Troy. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for giving us the time to talk to you. We're looking forward to our conversation. So to begin with, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your work as the Parks and Recreation Director? Sure. Well, I've been working in parks and recreation for, gosh, um, 30 plus years. After high school, I joined the Army and I was active duty for four years. And then I went to school at the University of Northern Colorado. It's in Greeley, Colorado. And that's where I kind of started my whole parks and recreation career. I was studying uh, to be an accountant, uh, to be a CPA. My dad's a CPA. My mom's a CPA. My brother's a CPA. And I was supposed to be a CPA, but I did get my degree in accounting. But that last semester, I was uh, interviewing with some of the larger accounting firms. But I had been working the whole time while I was there in Greeley uh, while going to school. I was started off as a pool manager, uh, worked at the golf course. I refereed and umpired games, uh, did a lot of special events, did everything you could possibly imagine in the Parks and Recreation Department. I called that my internship. And at the end of that, I said, you know what? I saw the Parks and Recreation Director. I said, I want that guy's job. And I think I could do it better than he can. So started my career in uh, recreation and parks. And it evolved as I moved up the ladder. I moved to different places. And before here in Wichita, I was in Austin, Texas, where I learned quite a bit. I was a, a superintendent of parks, which meant that I was in charge of all the building facilities and maintenance and all the park maintenance. And I really learned a lot there and uh, had the opportunity to come here to Wichita to become a parks and recreation director to uh, meet my goal. And uh, my wife and I, we picked up and moved here to Wichita and we've been here for almost eight years. Great. Interesting uh, background. I appreciate that. So I have a list of questions I'd like to ask you, but before we start into those, I thought I'd just give you a chance to talk about what you and the Parks Department is doing and, and what you're most excited about. Well, there's a lot of things going on. And, um, you know, I kind of look at some recent history, completing some projects and just the things that's going on within our department. A lot of things are just kind of, kind of falling in our lap. Uh, but one of the most recent ones that I'm really proud of is Nafsker Park. And everything has a story. I could tell you all kinds of stories. So when I first got here uh, to Wichita, well, let's step back. My wife and I came out here to look for houses uh, about a month before my job was to start. 
and we were downtown and I went down to Napsco Park and I was really excited telling my wife, hey, this is going to be one of our parks that I'm going to be responsible for. And I walk in and I was greeted by the mayor of Napsco Park. And it was a gentleman that lived in the park uh, with several other homeless folks. And not that that's a bad thing altogether, but just that the unwelcoming aspect of, of walking into the park and uh, some of the activities that were going on in the park was kind of disheartening. So I kind of made that as kind of one of my goals as to, you know, a downtown park needs to really have an opportunity to be open and accessible to everybody and be in a situation where you could go visit the park without fear and, uh, and really kind of enjoy it. So a couple years ago, we opened up Nafsker Park, but the whole process of working with stakeholders from downtown and some of the businesses downtown, we were able to renovate Nafsker Park. And one of the things I think is so cool about Nafsker Park is now it has become a staging point or rallying point for all kinds of things. Uh, there's very peaceful protests that happen there. Uh, we have a lot of different types of gatherings. Uh, we've had Pride Fest there a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was last month. It was a large, large event. Uh, we've had tons of large events there. And it's such a welcoming park when we have folks from out of town that are coming to visit Interest. So to me, that was kind of the quintessential project that really kind of embodied some of the things that we wanted to do in this department, really modernizing our parks, creating a situation where everybody can enjoy the park and just creating great spaces, uh, opportunities for people to really enjoy, enjoy the park and support downtown. So there's a lot of different examples of that uh, over the past eight years, but that one I think is really, really kind of cool. And, and now it used to be called Bum Park, but now everybody knows it as Nafsker Park and uh, everybody's welcome there. Uh, we've had opportunities to care for homeless there as well. A lot of the homeless folks participate in a lot of the activities down there. So it's welcoming to everybody. And that's kind of what we really wanted. All right. Well, on the flip side, what kind of challenges are there in the, in the parks department? Well, the easy one is, you know, we always say there's not enough resources and that's a, a project that we're always working on, trying to find different ways to get projects done. And we've developed opportunities through the Parks Foundation, which is a nonprofit, 501c3. I don't know if you guys have seen or heard about the plates for parks. Uh, there's uh, these really cool license plates that you should be able to see all around Wichita that have the Wichita flag on it. And there's a little bit of an extra fee. It's $50 to have that. But that $50 goes to the Parks Foundation. And with that money, we're able to use it for projects. Uh, we've used it for teaching kids how to swim for free. Uh, we've had scholarships funded through that. Uh, but most recently, there was a donation of $150,000 that went to Chester I. Lewis Park. And that's another downtown park that's going through renovations right now. And to really showcase and, and uh, teach people the history of Chester I. Lewis, a very prominent African-American attorney that did a lot of work uh, for the African-American community. So we had a really cool park down there, but nobody visited because it was kind of small and tucked away. And there was no mention of his history or, or what he accomplished. We're gonna be opening up this park probably in the spring. 
and it's going to have a lot of art. It's going to have a lot of history and really talking about Chester Lewis and his family. And it actually expanded. Uh, but the Parks Foundation donated $150,000 for the artwork that's going in there. So we're always trying to be creative and finding ways to find the resources that we need. So that's always one of our biggest challenges. Right now, uh, staffing is another one. Uh, having lifeguarding issues and trying to find staff for all of our park uh, operations. So those are some of the things that we are working on. I don't know, somehow we always find a way to just get by. It'd be nice if we could thrive and actually get past the hump and, and find ways to really take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. but, you know, parks and recreation people are very creative and we find ways of getting things done. All right. Well, we are bike walk Wichita. So I'd like to start out with a question about what your experience is with biking and, and, and walking in Wichita or in other places that you've lived. Sure. So uh, prior to this, I was in Austin and I was very much involved in probably one of the biggest walking trails in Texas and, and maybe in a lot of other places. And so we had uh, this trail that went around Lady Bird Lake, which is right downtown in Austin. And it was uh, about eight foot wide, some places 10 foot wide, kind of a dirt trail. But so many runners, so many walkers, people with bicycles, people walking their dogs. The whole loop was probably about four and a half miles and it was pretty well used. So we had a lot of use there. I think we actually had some counters there and we would get upwards to 10 to 15,000 people that would go across that trail on a daily basis. It was also used as a transportation corridor. So a lot of people used it to get from the north to the south uh, without completing the whole loop. It was attached to so many different areas downtown and was just a, a great location right next to the lake and uh, the, the, uh, all the uh, sunsets were just extremely beautiful. Um, so that was probably one of my favorite trails to use and also to manage and take care of. We did some additional work where we created a bridge that actually went across part of the, um, uh, the lake and actually expanded the trail to make it 100% off the road. And that was really important because there was one section at one point in time that was very dependent on the road. And we did have some situations there. Um, and now with it being off the road, it really kind of made it a whole lot safer. So here in Wichita, we uh, have something very similar down there on the river, the river walk. It's very similar to that. And that, that's a, a trail or a walkway that is well used and one of our favorite ones uh, to use. Me personally, I like to go, out, go down there and take walks and we see it used quite a bit by a lot of folks. And, and that's one of our selling points for the out-of-towners when they come downtown. All those folks at the hotels, they say, hey, go down to the river, go spend some time on the river walk. And the trail takes you right up to the keeper, which is one of our uh, biggest selling points of the city. So we try to do everything we can to make sure that we support it, promote it, and make sure it's a great place and a great experience for, for everybody, out-of-towners as well. Speaking of, of that, or extending on that, what, 
What's your view of the role or the, the impact of walking and biking and the life of Wichita, its economy and culture? Yep. And how does the Parks and Recreation Department factor into to that? Well, several points. Uh, health and wellness is one of the biggest parts of that is, is to make sure that we have opportunities for people to, to exercise and um, stay active. Uh, transportation corridors is really important. And as you're doing that, doing it in a safe manner, again, anything we can do to take bikes off the road and have opportunities for them to travel unimpeded and without the, uh, the smog and the exhaust is really great. Adding uh, amenities to the city and doing it in a way where it, it, it's just a wonderful experience to be outdoors and part of nature. So those are the things that are really important. So that's one example, but we have a lot of other opportunities for people to uh, go out and walk. A, a good example uh, that is kind of a, not so much new anymore because we closed Clap Park over Clap Golf Course over two years ago. And once we closed uh, that golf course and turned it into a park, there's a lot of folks that really spend a lot of time in that park walking and biking. I think I've actually gone biking with Kim there at least once, if not twice. And I know that Bike Walk Wichita has sponsored some trips there through that park. And we're going to be looking at, I think that's another topic. I'll save it for later, a little bit about uh, the future plans for CLAP. But that is one of the perfect examples of an opportunity for people to go out and exercise. Health and wellness is really important. Being out in nature, which really kind of um, sets a tone in regards to mental health as well and having the opportunity to unplug and get away. Or actually, some people actually still listen to music, so halfway unplug. And uh, just a, a great soothing place. Uh, it, it's nice when you're in the middle of that park. It's hard to believe that three or four blocks away is a row of fast food restaurants, but you get into the heart of Clap and it's very nice and quiet and tranquil. And it's, it's just a great place to unwind. So those are the, the things that we're looking for. Those are the opportunities that we want to create in our parks. And it's not just about um, having softball fields, not just about um, having swimming pools, but there's a lot of passive opportunities that we want people to enjoy as well. Along the same vein, I think, as you know, we've interviewed previously all of the different city council members. And all of them have universally said that one of their priorities is to attract new talent to the city. And that quality of life is, is very important to that goal. Do parks and recreation help in that? Or how do they help? It's a huge impact. Parks and recreation is all about quality of life and quality of place. Again, the health and wellness aspects of it is, is important. Um, but places where you can take your kids to enjoy spending time outside. Young families having opportunities to recreate and spend time together without having to spend a whole lot of money. When I talk to my colleagues across the country, one of the big things that they always talk about is how do we keep, this problem is not just here in Wichita, it's in other places too. How do you keep the young families together? How do you actually uh, bring corporations uh, and business into your, into your community? And a friend of mine down in Oklahoma City, when 
there were several companies that came to look to see if they wanted to move their headquarters to Oklahoma City. Uh, they went to go visit the parks. They went to go make sure that the golf courses were a place where they want to take their clients and their colleagues. They wanted to make sure that their families were going to be able to go swim and have other fun activities to go and, and be participating in. So, you know, it's really funny how when I talk to our folks down at uh, WDDC and other places that actually are, are trying to bring in companies, one thing that they always forget about is the impact of the parks and recreation. Mm -hmm. uh, parks and recreation or parks actually bring in value into each one of the communities. If your house is within a quarter mile of a park, it's actually valued more than if it's outside that quarter mile. There's just so many things that parks and recreation brings to the table in regards to quality of place and quality of life that people tend to forget about it, but uh, there's many, many studies about the impacts. So we always try to sell that when we're trying to work on new projects. We're always trying to make sure people understand that our programming is for everybody across the city. Uh, we always talk about uh, the Parks and Recreation Department takes care of people from birth to death. We uh, have prenatal classes and we take care of cemeteries. <laughs> and do everything in between. And the better we do it, uh, the happier our citizens are as well. Well, let's talk about some specific issues. Uh, one of the issues that has particularly received some publicity lately is the city's policies on trees. Can you talk to us about what the city's policies are and, and what's happening with those? So as we're doing the budget, we always use a lot of metrics and statistics and a lot of metrics are, that have been coming out quite often is that we are losing more trees in our tree canopy than we are planting new trees. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. We have some really, really, really old trees, um, which is really kind of cool. Uh, we've had some, and, and of course they're going through their life cycle and now they're starting to die off. We have some trees that are being affected by disease. So you'll see a lot of these pine trees, uh, these evergreen pine trees that are now turning brown. And that's because of the bark beetle. And um, pretty soon it's gonna really, we're really not, not gonna see too many pine trees throughout the city. And, and it's not even a native tree to begin with. But it's so very shocking as you drive in through, you see uh, four or five pine trees that just turn brown. So there's a lot of different reasons why we're losing trees. And we've had a situation where we haven't planted as many to catch up, but we're also limited by how much we can maintain as well. And so our forestry department is pretty small. So getting back to this metric of, we wanna start trying to plant more trees than we're actually losing trees to increase the canopy. And I don't have to tell you guys all the great reasons why having a great canopy is important reduces heat, reduces erosion, on and on and on. All, all these good things that trees provide to us. So a couple of things that we're looking at was why are we losing so many trees? And there's opportunities to, to plant more trees on private property. And we wanted to really kind of promote, not that we can control private property, but we wanted to promote folks planting more trees within their yards. There's a lot of green space where people can plant more trees. But as the city, what can we do? What can we monitor ourselves? 
and we looked at where we were losing some trees and it just happens to be where we're working on a new project. A good example was the baseball stadium. Uh, Lawrence Dumont Stadium had a lot of trees around it, but once we built the new stadium, it took out several trees along the, the parkway and, and around the stadium, but we never replaced them. And so one of the things we wanted to do with our policy is put in place where if we are going to be removing trees, we want to make sure that we're replacing them. And that could be because of construction. It could be because we have to deal with a utility or some type of emergency situation. Uh, we had a situation where we had a broken water main and we had to take out some trees to get to make that repair. So can we replace those trees at that location? If we can, that's great. But there's always the right place to put a tree as opposed to putting it right next to or above a utility or underneath the utility. So we wanted to make this policy flexible enough that we can plant trees in other places and find better locations within our parks to plant those trees and makes it actually easier for us to maintain as well. So that's what we really wanted to focus on was if we are going to be removing trees, we wanted to see if we can save those trees. If we can't, we want to make sure that we notify the public and saying, hey, because of this certain situation, we're putting a new road or we're putting in a new police station. It's going to require us to actually remove some trees. And if we remove the trees, let's replace them. And if it's not at that location, let's find another place. So those were the three things that we really were focusing on our policy that we can control as a city. At the same time, we wanted to educate people on the right tree at the right place, the right time, encouraging people to plant trees. And so we're gonna be giving away some trees at the end of the year. So they're gonna be seedlings. And the more that we put out there, uh, the more of the survival rate that they'll have because we want to encourage people to plant trees on their private property as well. Okay, good. So we're right now in the middle of the budget season. And one of the things in the proposed budget indicates that uh, we plan on planting a, a thousand more trees this year than, than in the past. Mm -hmm. How does that relate to how many trees are being removed and how, how many trees have we planted per year in, in the past? And what does that do to the overall objective of having more trees? So we could be removing a lot of trees because the issue is that a lot of these trees are dead. They're dead mm -hmm. trees that are being removed. Mm -hmm. And we have a backlog of about a year to actually get to those trees. But we've been averaging uh, removing about 2,500 to 3,000 trees a year that are dead trees. And I just want, want you're going to hear me say that over and over again because I want people to realize yeah. that the reason why we're removing these trees is because they're dead and they can cause a hazard. I could put all my resources on that and we would still be behind because we're so far behind in removing the dead trees that there's a backlog. But on average, we're, we're taking down about 2,500 to 3,000 trees that are dead every year. We've been able to plant about 1,500 to 2,000 every year. And it takes a lot of resources to do that. Both of those situations take a lot of resources to do that. But the idea is I think sooner or later, once we catch up on all the dead trees, we'll be able to put more trees into the ground. But we want this number to, to change a little bit 
So if we're putting in 1,500 trees every year and we add another 1,000 trees, that will help us get closer to breaking even. But we'll still have a lot of situations. Just recently this summer, we've had a lot of trees affected by the high winds, right now by this, the heat and the drought. So there's all these stressors on the trees. And if they don't survive, then they have to be removed. And so these are a lot of things that we're dealing with. It's not as easy calculation as just saying we're going to plant a thousand more trees and we'll break even. And to do that, we have to have the staff to do it. And I've been ramping up. We've been hiring a lot of folks in forestry. Uh, the other thing, as I mentioned, is planting more seedlings. And we might put down 5,000 seedlings and maybe half of them actually survive. But that's mm -hmm. a lot more cost effective than planting larger mature trees and, and you put 1,000 in there and maybe 800 survive. So you start off with a smaller tree, which is one of the uh, cons on the situation. But what we're going to be doing is planting more and more seedlings. And you kind of put them in the ground, but then you walk away and they got to survive on their own. And their survival rate is not nearly as, as good, but if you plant more of them, then uh, you actually, the, the raw numbers, you actually end up having more trees in the long run. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I do want to put in a, a plug for something near to our heart, but that is the master pedestrian plan. And just to point out uh, that one of the strategies in that plan is to continue to incorporate street trees in the capital improvement projects mm -hmm. through the landscaping policy for city streets. First of all, I didn't know that there was a landscaping policy for, for city streets, but is that something that the Parks Department is involved in? We are. We kind of help advise as well as review some of the plans. One of the things that we've been doing as of late, and a good example is a retin Park, is we put in what are, are called tree cells. And so what we want to do is actually start putting this in as a regular standard. And these tree cells, as they are creating the, the infrastructure, the sidewalk or the road, actually setting space aside for the tree. And you'll see a lot of these tree wells that, that are up and down these streets. And what happens is that those roots get really impacted by a lot of different things underneath the ground. So uh, over at Napsker Park, we started this a couple years ago. You put these big old cells and, and they're probably on the top, they're probably four or five feet in diameter, but they actually get bigger and bigger. And they actually go underneath the ground and actually protect the roots and actually help hold in more moisture. And so that means the trees get a little bit healthier they get a little bit bigger, they stay a little bit longer. No radio over at Napsker Park, the, uh, the perimeter trees that we put in there, they are going bonkers. They are doing really, really well. Right. And a big part of it is because we are experimenting and we wanna put this in as a regular standard. So we'll be spending time with engineering. They're not happy about it because they're not cheap. Uh, it it's, adds more expense to any kind of project. Right. And also the other part of it too is really looking at the right place for a tree. One of the things we get from a lot of our downtown businesses is that our trees are blocking the view of their building or their sign. And I'm arguing with them that 
people aren't finding you by just driving down the road. Uh, people are finding you because of one of these. Yes, your phone. This has replaced the phone book, has replaced signage, all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you want to go someplace, you put it in here and you don't even need a sign to know what building you're going into. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to change some of these perceptions. Really, I think signage is going to be uh, less and less important. But these businesses, in their mind, uh, yeah. they don't have a big giant sign that's, that's neon and shines. I'm here. They, they feel as if, as if they're being shortchanged. And that yeah. tree is in the way. Well, you mentioned Clap Park earlier. And as you said, that was... Uh, the golf course was decommissioned, I guess, a, a couple of years ago. And the, then the city adopted a, a master plan for that. In the meantime, the, the park has, as you say, continued to serve as a great place to, to go walk and, and, and hang out and so forth. So what is happening with Platt Park and what are, what are the plans for that? So to get moving forward with closing the golf course, it was not just a... Uh, a situation where we had to close the, the golf course for no particular reason, but we had to financially explain why that golf course had to close. And we were wanting to consolidate all those golf efforts into the other four golf courses. Uh, the overhead that was straining the golf system was just incredible over there at CLAP. And it was our po poorest uh, performing golf course. I had the least amount of rounds, brought the least amount of revenue, but had the highest and expenses. So obviously it made a lot of sense to go ahead and close it. But to do that, we wanted to make sure that we tell people that, hey, we're gonna keep this asset. And there was all these rumors that we were gonna sell it off, that it was gonna turn into a strip mall, that it was gonna turn into um, housing. And none of that was ever discussed or even offered. The plan was always and still is that it's gonna stay a nice green space. So we created a master plan and we put the master plan together to kind of create what is uh, the best ideas, um, what are some of the greatest options that we can look at. Uh, they're just conceptual. And so we had great ideas and we had a lot of interaction with the neighborhood and the community. Now that we're at the point where we're gonna start to build, things have changed quite a bit in just the past year, if not the past two years. Inflation has just skyrocketed. So that means the cost of construction is double than what it used to be. Also having supply chain issues to get things here is even more and more difficult as well. So um, the master plan that was created, it was estimated if everything was in there and we did every single little thing in there, it was probably about a $30 million master plan, which at the time sounded really kind of expensive, but now, Actually, two years later, it's quite not too expensive. But we only have roughly about $10 million that's dedicated to the park. 2023 and 2024, we have $2.5 million for each one of those years for a total of $5 million. And then in 2030, we get another $5 million for the park. So that's a total of $10 million, and that's ending in 2030. So re-examining the situation, our, our dollars aren't going to go nearly as far as we thought they were going to go. And th there was also some feedback also coming back is, 
why develop the park any more than it has to? We really like the open space. We really like the green aspect of it. So what are some of the things that we can focus on right off the bat? So the first $2.5 million, we're gonna really focus on the bridges and repairing all the bridges that go across the creek. Um, there's at least two that are closed. Um, several other ones are gonna need to have some repairs to them. What's happening is because of a lot of different reasons, but uh, during all of our big rains, we have tons of water that's coming through the creek and has been scouring and eroding underneath the bridges to a point where some of those bridges are not safe. So that's gonna be the first thing that we're gonna address. And I think that's gonna take a major portion of that $2.5 million. And the following year, we get another 2.5. So I think what we really wanna do is take some of the best things out of the master plan, some of the things that people thought were really important. And one of them is to put in a all ages, all abilities, inclusive playground. You know, something that we have like over at Central County Park mm -hmm. and uh, something that's just spectacular and large. And we could probably spend up to $1.5 million on something like that. And it would be something that would be down the south east part of town, which is catty corner to what we have over at Central County Park. So kind of spreading these resources across geographically across the city. So there's so many folks that we've been hearing from down in Derby, in that whole down area down south and, and east that really would enjoy having something like this. And, and it's not just for the folks that, that are handicapped or, or need this kind of accessibility. You can use these playgrounds for all kind of able-bodied folks. So I think that's gonna be one of our first endeavors. And also, we've been also talking about adding a dog park there as well social aspects of dog parks and mm -hmm. I can go on and on and on, but I think that's needed in that area as well. So I think those are going to be the two really large areas that we're going to focus on as well as fixing the bridges and just making sure that the infrastructure is, is quality. Okay. okay. That makes sense. Well, for what it's worth, I see a lot of sense in uh, keeping it green and, and, and moving slowly on, developing it, uh, the things that you mentioned, the, the playground and the dog park, I think make, make sense. It's a great amenity as it is, just being able to walk around in it and, and say ride, ride on the trails and that sort of thing, so. What's been great is that we leased the old clubhouse to Ducks Disc, and yeah. that way we were able to keep the bathrooms open. Uh, they have been doing a great job of just keeping an eye on the park and Part of the lease, we asked them to go pick up limbs, double check on the trash cans. You know, it's just an opportunity for them to get involved with the park as well. And we, we provide them a golf cart to do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But uh, I tell you, the disc golfers have just been going crazy out there. Yeah. Um, they've been doing a lot of tournaments and they, they see some opportunities for growth without impacting uh, the opportunities for the rest of the park and for people to enjoy it. So uh, it seems to be a, a pretty congenial type of arrangement. Yeah, So it's absolutely. Well, what's great about that is that they are, it is related to the other functions of the park there. It's not just some random business that, that is in there. So exactly. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I had a lot of naysayers, a lot of folks saying, you know, they're taking advantage of the city and this and that and the other. But if you have seen the clubhouse before and how much work and investment they put into the clubhouse, it's totally different. And they're vested into the park, which is really what we wanted. And it's working out great. Great. All right. Well, switching subjects to another area of the, of the parks, I understand that the paths along the river and other places uh, in town are part of the parks department as well. I hadn't really thought of them that way uh, previously. Uh, is, is that right? And is the yeah. parks department responsible for those? We're responsible for them. And we work with public works because public works has the expertise and the engineering to help make sure that they're in good standing order. So we work with them in case we find situations where the concrete has heaved or there's tripping points and hazards. We have a very limited budget of about $250,000 a year, every other year, I'm sorry, $250,000 every other year to address all of our trails. Um, so <laughs> as you can imagine, a couple of tripping hazards and uh, repairs and replacements takes care of that budget on very, very quickly. So we work with public works uh, through contractors to make those repairs and upgrades, but we do have a list and we slowly chip away at it. When we find opportunities like uh, major renovations to different areas, whether it's uh, street renovations, sidewalk renovations, park renovations, uh, we always try to find ways to incorporate making uh, those repairs. And that's thing that we always are dealing with it is the standards in old years past, the thickness of the concrete would, would be between two and three inches. And if you drive a car, drive a mower, mm. or just mm -hmm. uh, regular nature, rain, uh, wind, and sun, that concrete comes apart pretty quickly. So we're working with new standards now where we're looking at least four inch thick concrete with more reinforcement that goes through it. Now, that's more expensive, mm -hmm. but in the long run, it saves us from having to go back there and, and make that repair. So we did that. A good example of that is over at uh, Pawnee Prairie Park. Um, Councilman mm -hmm. Bluebaugh got a lot of feedback from his constituents there that they wanted some more walking areas. And an uh, area where we can actually ride the bikes. So we extended some of the walking areas with concrete and that standard in the past was thinner concrete and it would take you a little bit further, but we've increased the thickness and uh, the durability of that. So hopefully that will last mm -hmm. a whole lot longer. So do you have any information on how many people use those paths? I would think that given how popular they are. I know there's been a lot of attention on the splash pads and the pools lately, and certainly they're very popular and, and, and used a lot, but I would think probably more people use the paths. So we're working on some ideas about how can we get accurate counts of people in the park and not just on the trails, but in different areas of the parks. Mm -hmm. So there's a company called Playcore that they really work on, on playgrounds. Uh, they have all kinds of different types of playgrounds and they're very popular. 
uh, but they're working on some other projects and to support parks and that's with creating metrics. And so they actually have a situation where I mentioned this earlier, cell phones, most everybody carries a cell phone in the park. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's ways of actually counting how many cell phones are in the park without, without identifying who they are mm -hmm. um, and what they're doing. But so we actually are looking this next spring at doing a pilot program of several different areas. And one of them is right around the keeper. We want to see how many people are using those walkways in, in that park area. So in the spring, we're going to actually be using this, this pilot program hmm. to okay. come up with these numbers. And we're pretty excited. Now, there's a, another part of it too, because they use a algorithm that will tell you approximately how many kids are with them, you know, what, oh, really? what, depending on what time of the day they are, how fast they're moving to the park. So there's a lot of different factors that they put in there to come up with a really good estimate of mm -hmm. usage of the parks. And so, yeah, that's going to be our first tool mm -hmm. because we've gone out there a couple of times and did counts in, in different times of the year, but I, I can't have anybody out there counting mm -hmm. even uh, three or four times a year. Right. Uh, that, that's one way of doing it. And you can make a, 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 mm -hmm. an estimate of it. That sounds great. Love to see the results of that. That's something that we have struggled with just generally on the use of the bike and bed facilities is to get information, data on how many people are using them. So that would be uh, very interesting to, uh, to see the results of that. You know, the WAMPO does do a, a, a manual count every year coming up this September, you know, it might be interesting to compare that count with the information that you get from the cell phone information. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's going to be really telling because it, there's so many different factors in, in just the one day or even five days out of the year samples uh, mm -hmm. really doesn't do it justice. And, right. And, um, you know, you could be on the hottest day or the coldest day. There's so many mm -hmm. other factors Mm -hmm. circuses and towns nobody's at the you know, there's all kinds of factors right, right. So. right so do you have an idea of how much of your budget is allocated to the the paths in terms of you know, the maintenance personnel that's that sort of thing out of out of the the total so as i mentioned we have about two hundred fifty thousand every other year for mm -hmm. repairs mm -hmm. um we probably uh, man hours uh, across the city, we're probably talking, it's less than half a percent of my budget. Mm -hmm. um, the primary duties is picking up trash. Mm -hmm. And then if there's any debris on the trails, we'll go and clean it up. Uh, but most of it is is by demand. We'll get a phone call and mm -hmm. say, hey, okay. after this rain, we have all this mud that's on the trail. Right. Uh, can you get somebody out there? Mm -hmm. um, the days of staff going inspecting parks, the days of staff uh, driving or going through all the bicycle trails to inspect them and see if they're safe, whether it's low-hanging limbs, other kind of debris that's hanging out, whether there's cracks in, in the concrete, those days are long gone. Everything that I respond to is by demand. Mm -hmm. So if there is a situation that warrants uh, some attention, 
the only way we know about it is by users calling in and saying, hey, uh, this needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't have the staff. We just don't yeah. have the resources. Mm -hmm. And by design, uh, that's the way we operate. And I assume you're, you're hooked into the Access Wichita uh, reporting uh, page and so forth. So that would be a good way to report that as well. Yep. Uh, people can report to that. And then yep. either it's through IT or the call takers will get an email. We'll get some kind of notification about a situation that we need to address. All right. So touch on a, on a different idea here. The city has a couple of uh, mountain bike facilities uh, in their capital park and in Chapin Park. Mm -hmm. I think they're, they're pretty popular. Another type of, of bike course that's popular in a lot of different cities, I think, in fact, they just had the nationals down in Austin uh, a year or so ago, is a cyclocross uh, course. Uh, which is sort of halfway between uh, mountain biking and, and riding on, on paths. One of our folks in Bike Walk Wichita spent some time and looking at the possibility of setting apart uh, an area for that in, say, Garvey Park. Is that something you'd be willing to look into? And, and, yeah. and what would it take to move that along? Well, most definitely. That's how we were able to get the other two locations is, is by user requests yeah. and, and people coming forward whether it's, this happens all the time, whether it's a dog park or the interest is more pickleball courts. That's how we're getting this new pickleplex right. down South and putting $3 million into a pickleplex is because the, the demand mm -hmm. and people coming up with the ideas. So that uh, Garvey Park has been looked at in the past. We've reviewed it and, and know that there's some opportunities and some possibilities there. And resurfaced again, I think I got about six weeks ago I got an email from somebody that said they really wanted to explore this idea. Well, I, I said, yeah, let's work on this. I kind of put it in the back burner because one of the throes of a hot summer, opening up all of our swimming pools and splash pads, yeah. um, dealing with golf. It's the peak of everything that we're doing right now, getting yeah. ready for the 4th of July. But we're going to look at it in earnest probably this, this fall. Get some better ideas of yeah. what, what it can take. Off the top of my head, it shouldn't be that difficult. Uh, we were successful at other locations of putting in uh, bicycle facilities, primarily because the users and volunteers mm -hmm. help actually put it together and make it happen. Yeah. Um, so whenever we could get that kind of partnership, it, it, it always makes those dollars go really far. Mm -hmm. and, and we're really good at that. Oh, good, good. Well, I will encourage them then to, to follow up on that. And uh, I understand the being in the height of your, your season right now makes it makes it more difficult. But later on, see, see if we can move that along. So appreciate yeah. that. Another type of activity or event or whatever is that is the open streets events, which we've had we've had in downtown and now up in, in, in Nomar. They've been great successes as far as I can tell. Uh, we've really certainly enjoyed those and I think they've been very popular with everyone. Are there any plans to expand or, or have more of those? Yes, I think we can. You mentioned this, so I, I gotta tell a story. I gotta tell okay. A story. So when I first got here, I, I learned about Open Streets. And I thought this would be a great event to bring back to Wichita. So I learned a little bit more about it, shared it with the council and talked to the mayor, um, Mayor Longwell. 
he and I get along, so I can talk about this. Mayor Longwell said, that is just the worst idea ever. Streets are for cars, cars only, and we never wanna close a street, especially Douglas. Like, Troy, are, are you crazy? And, and I'm like, Mayor, it, it, it's gonna work. Yeah, trust me. So it took me uh, almost a year to get the stakeholders involved, work all the traps. And, and it just seemed at the time like I was climbing Mount Everest and we would get one little step and, and we get a look past the police department. And, and by the way, the police department kind of felt the same way at the beginning, uh, but they're strong supporters now. And so we finally got the open streets going and the first year was pretty successful. And the second year was even more successful. And so I was, we're at the second uh, open streets event uh, right by Century Two. And the mayor looks at me and he goes, Troy, you're right, I was wrong. And I said, <laughs> what? But uh, we, we've had a few complaints and, and concerns, but for the most part, gosh, this event has been hugely uh, accepted and people are always so excited about it. Like I mentioned, it seemed like it was Mount Everest to, to actually put it together. Now it's almost, almost routine, I better knock on wood, almost routine. So we expanded over at Nomar and that this past year uh, was fantastic. It was uh, mm -hmm. incorporated with a lot of other events as well. And that's part of the success of, of Open Streets is it's not just the closing of the streets for bikes and walking and skateboarding, but we incorporate it with a lot of other activities as well. WSU, uh, they wanna get involved and we've, we've been talking to them from the very beginning. And I think as we start changing that perception just a change of, of people's perceptions and seeing that there's other things that we can do within the streets. I think it's going to grow. And we have at least two or three other locations that we're looking at. And I think if we do them on, on opportunities like on Sunday afternoons when our streets are, are least used and we find ways to make sure people have the connectivity that they need to get where they need to go, I think we can, we can expand on this. And I think the WSU uh, areas are our first one that we, or the next one, I, I should say, that we really mm. want to focus on. Well, I think they certainly have been successful. Thank you for bringing them up to the to the mayor and uh, and for promoting them. I think that they have been great. We'd like to see more of them. As you say, they are a great way to show what can be done uh, with the streets and to activate the streets apart from the, from the bar. So big, big supporter of those. Thank you. And then uh, similarly, uh, I, I think as, as you know, we, uh, we promote the use of, of the parks extensively. Already we lead uh, walks and we lead bikes in uh, parks all around town. We have a second Sunday stroll, uh, second Sunday slow roll and stroll that we move in, in different locations around town, uh, usually in parks and rec centers and that sort of thing. We also have what we call bike jams, where we do a bike rodeo and we give away kids' bikes, uh, usually at, at rec centers, preferably in connection with other events that are happening there. And we'd love the opportunity to uh, work with uh, you even more on uh, any of those or, or other activities. So if there's anything that you think of that uh, we could help out with or that would be good for us to, to work on, let us know. We'd love to. Work with you on. Yeah, you guys have been extremely supportive and have promoted our, our parks and our events. I, 
I saw you guys over at the Nomar Open Streets event. I actually participated in a little, oh, I don't know, the little challenge. Right, little obstacle course. Yes, kind of obstacle course. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I saw that uh, you guys were giving away bikes, and there was some surprises that day when you guys were giving away some bikes. That was great. Yeah, there's tons and tons of things we could do together. And I think it's cool, like some of the things that you guys do, some evening rides where everybody has their glow sticks and, and traveling through downtown in a big herd of bikes. I, I, those are just great. And I think we can not just collaborate in, in the actual event, but I think one of the opportunities is collaborating in the marketing and promotion and especially through social media. So whenever those things come across our social media, our staff shares them, promotes them mm -hmm. and, and gets those, gets the word out. And I know that you guys have done the same thing, especially for our open streets. Uh, we have a website for open streets and, and a Facebook page and some of their social media. And I know you guys pass that on and promote that as well. But I think we could be a little bit more tactical on our efforts uh, in collaborating. So we can definitely do that in the future. Great, great. Look forward to it. Well, we've covered an awful lot of ground. This has been one of our uh, longer interviews. Thank you for, uh, for, for your time. Uh, is there anything we haven't discussed uh, that you'd like to talk about? Well, a couple things. Okay. Just to let you know the, the caliber of our department. And a lot of people don't know this. We have some of the best people in our department. And this year's, or I'm sorry, this month is Parks and Recreation Month. And we're really celebrating our staff. And most recently, one of our staff members, Reggie Davidson, um, he was selected as essentially the employee of the year. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's a huge, huge honor. Mm -hmm. Our department is also an accredited agency. So uh, there's 154 standards that we have to meet in regards to processes, policies, procedures. It's not based on the quality of our facilities, but it's based on the quality of how we deliver our services. And so we're about, there's about 180 agencies across the country that are accredited. And there's over 20,000 agencies that provide parks and recreation services. So that tells you the caliber right there. Last year, we were a gold medal finalist, uh, which is the equivalent of the Super Bowl. And we were a finalist, but we did not win last year. Uh, we're a finalist again this year, and we'll yeah. find out in September if we um, are selected as the gold medal winner. This agency uh, actually won it back in 1968. Um, mm. I, I was not even born then. And, and a lot of things have changed since then. But the caliber of this department is, is incredible. And, and the growth of this department, of how we have served the community, has even doubled and tripled in the past eight years. So I got to really uh, take my hat off to my staff. They, they are extremely deserving and they work hard. They work really, really hard for the public. Good, good, well, thank you. So the final question, if somebody wants to communicate with you about anything, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, on our website, there's a lot of different modes. There is, Obviously, my email is there, so people email me, and I get emails quite a bit through social media. Our Facebook page is one that we get a lot of ideas from. People share a lot of information on our Facebook page. But 
one that we really focus on the most is obviously our website. Our website lists all of our programs. Uh, we have what's called Evolve, which is our guide. And our guide lists every single program that we have, hours and operations of all, all our facilities. So that's just a great resource uh, for people to get their questions answered and, and find out more about the department. Very good. Well, again, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I, I could probably have spent four or five hours on each one of these, but uh, I just really wanted to get the highlights out there. And anytime I get the opportunity to uh, tell people about our, our department, and, and our department is here because of the community and for the community. So I'm going to finish on one last thing, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, one of the challenges, this just came to my head, one of the challenges that we've been facing this past year has been all the graffiti and all the vandalism. Mm -hmm. We've had mm -hmm. one pool that's been broken into 21 times. Oh my gosh. Um, several air conditioners have been vandalized. The bridge, the Manissa Bridge uh, has been vandalized several times. Several pieces of art in the park has been vandalized. And whenever that happens, that takes resources away from the things that we need to get done and, and mm -hmm. it takes resources away from, from the public in general. So we're just asking that people be aware of that. And unfortunately, I think most of this is being done by juveniles, by young kids. And, and we're just encouraging parents to really kind of uh, keep an eye on their kids. We want them to be involved in our parks and all of our programs. And we have tons of activities for them to do. Uh, instead of being destructive, they could be a little bit more constructive uh, in all of our programs. So yeah. uh, that's something that that's really a, a concern of ours because I don't have a budget or a line item that says uh, vandalism. Right. It means that I take money away from something else that we really wanted to get done. Mm. And, and, and one of them is we want to put more art in the parks and um, mm. That's the first thing that I'll, I'll take my money from because it's not a need. It's um, just an added amenity that we want in the parks. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've been really focusing on as well as adding more art to all of our parks. Very good. Good, good point. Yeah. I've seen that in the, in the news lately. So thank you very much. All right. You guys take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Troy Houtman, for speaking with Alan. I was really happy to hear Troy give some appreciation to his staff. It seems like every business is having staffing issues right now. And when you combine that with budget issues, it's so challenging. And to have Troy speak so positively about the park staff really means a lot. And yeah. I, I, was just, I was just happy to hear him show that appreciation. So I was also happy to hear Troy talk about the parks being an integral part of the citizens' quality of life and general health here in Wichita. I mean, we know that when our community is healthy and active, businesses save money on employees not taking sick leave, our EMS department and hospitals get fewer emergency calls, and there are just fewer things that impact mm -hmm. these other aspects of our response to the community. And that high quality of life and that healthy community is kind of a benefit of funding these departments such as the, the Parks and Rec. 
and we are in budget season with the city and the county. I have been in finance and accounting for like 20 years, and the biggest misconception that I see when people talk about departments in the city and county is they want to try to run them as a for-profit enterprise. Right. And to me, creating community is not a for-profit enterprise. The profit is actually the health of our mm -hmm. citizens and the pride that we take in our community and the the park system and you know our our tree canopy and all of these things contribute to the health of our community Greatly. and mm -hmm. keeping people here and i I really just want everyone to keep that in mind when they hear these discussions of budgets and mm -hmm. things. And, you know, as Troy mentioned, vandalism, that incurs unexpected expenses. I mean, there's just so many things to juggle. There are. Yes. And like you said, um, it is budget season. And so keeping these things in mind, there's so many benefits that we are getting from our park system mm -hmm. uh, that we can't necessarily, you know, calculate or, right. or evaluate the, the impact that they're really having. But we know, mm -hmm. we know they're having a significant benefits and impact. So. Keeping that in mind, you know, during the budget season, this is the last month uh, for you to speak up and to provide input uh, to staff and city council regarding the city's 2023 general operating budget. So make sure you are checking out the budget documents. They have uh, social media town halls that you can watch. They have all sorts of resources um, to try to help inform the community of what they are doing in the budget and proposing. So you still have time. There are several bike ped related projects that are included in the proposed budget at this point that we are really excited to see, including the annual addition of $300,000 to repaint the crosswalks. Um, so we are really excited to see that mm -hmm. uh, line item going in as an addition. <clears throat> so you can definitely find the information on the city's website, on our Facebook page, we are also trying to share and, and keep everybody informed as well. Thank you, Troy, for everything that you are doing to uh, maintain and grow our park system here in Wichita. Definitely appreciate that. Look forward to seeing what's coming up. Just as our volunteers make the magic happen, our local business sponsors are also vital partners who not only make Wichita a better place to shop, dine, and work, but also support our mission to make Wichita a more connected, accessible city that supports everyone biking, walking, and rolling around. As our city opens back up, please shop local and support these businesses who work to make our city better for everyone. REI at K96 in Greenwich carries high-quality adventure gear, clothing, bikes, lightweight camping equipment, and food to support your next hike or bike adventure. Bicycle Exchange is Wichita's largest bike shop, featuring all styles of bikes by Trek, Gary Fisher, Fuji, Electra, and more. They also carry a wide range of bike accessories, gear, and clothing, and are located in Delano, so drop in and check out their selection. Also, Gary's Monday night rides roll out at 6 p.m. from Bicycle Exchange. Bicycle Peddler is our specialized dealer located on Rock Road near Central. Bicycle Peddler has a growing selection of exciting bike apparel and accessories and a full range of services. And check out their Monday and weekend gravel rides. Those are so exciting. I'm hearing a lot of good compliments. 
Pedigo Wichita has recently opened their new location in Bradley Fair next to Trader Joe's. Pedigo features a colorful assortment of electric bikes from cruisers to cargo options. Drop in and test ride one today or join them for a Saturday ride. The Kansas Department of Transportation provides an annual grant to purchase lights for all of our bikes that roll out of our recycle program and to also support our Operation Firefly outreach that makes our streets safer for all users. Wesley Healthcare has provided a grant to install mile markers and wayfinding signage on the Redbud Path. The signage will not only help residents identify nearby businesses and services, but will also assist emergency services in locating you quicker in case of an emergency. Wesley wants to help you be active and healthy every day, and we appreciate it. United Healthcare is helping expand our reach into Evergreen and Fairmount neighborhoods and with our LGBTQ and refugee friends. United is helping residents get more active and take better control of their health, and we are excited to partner with them. Visionary Print can help you with your podcast, video, and promotional materials. Check out our online store for a variety of fun bike walk merchandise. In Spirit Kombucha will help you reach your health goals this year with their refreshing beverages that you can find in many local retailers throughout the city. And a better bar service is ready to help you take your next social gathering to the next level by providing a professional, fun bar service. So thank you to all of our sponsors. We really appreciate the help in transforming our city. Well, it looks like our time is up. Thank you for tuning in. If you are interested in taking action, connecting us with your neighborhood, or have an idea for this year, please let us know. And don't forget, we have expanded our recycle shop hours. If you need to work on your bike, want to volunteer, or check out our retail area of used items, please drop in Tuesday and Wednesday, 2 to 6 p.m., Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., and Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thanks to the huge increase in biking and walking, BWW has an ever-growing network of friends who love shopping local. If you know of a business that could benefit from our hyper-local marketing, contact us and we can share our 2022 sponsorship packet that includes a customized promotion plan for the year. That wraps up our show. Extra thanks to Amy, Alan, Troy, and all of our volunteers for the awesome interviews and stories. We'll see you out and around town.